It's time for JT the Brick. I love my job. I love the opportunity that I can come in here and talk to the Raider Nation. Talk to JT. As we are rolling on on the biggest topic in the NFL. This is nothing to dive into and look crazy about. Have we lost our bleeping mind? Look, the elephant in the room is the majority of our audience are Raider fans. And they would like the Raiders to win now. They don't want to rebuild. They don't care about two or three years. The last 20 plus years have been hard and they're sick of it. Excuses die. The record stands. JT the Brick. Are you kidding me? It's an absolute free-for-all with the Raiders on national radio debate shows. Everybody now is throwing blank up against the wall. No, no, no. Who are you listening to? Who's putting this in your head? But what happens next is what should this team do that's responsible, not reckless, makes sense, and could kind of thread the needle and get this team back to greatness. Are you with me on that? Put some respect on JT the Brick's name. And now, sound off like you got a pair. Here's JT the Brick. Thanks for coming back, everybody. JT in Vegas, hour number two, brought to you by Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers. I have the menu open in my house. My sons love it. They're there all the time. The box combo for chicken fingers, the crinkle-cut fries, the cane sauce, the Texas toast. I love the coleslaw. I tell my sons, get me extra slaw. They love it. The Caniac combo is fantastic. The three-finger combo and the sandwich combo. Raisin Cane's Chicken Fingers, the best in town. Proud partner of Raider Nation Radio. And go through the drive through Go in the store. Say hello to everyone. Let them know you're Raider Nation. They are fantastic. You can get the 50-finger tailgate. How about this? It feeds 13 to 17 people and includes 16 cane sauces. It's that good. Get the 50-finger tailgate right there at Cane's. Unbelievable. Let's get to Brian Harmon. Want to mention him. He won the Open Championship. Incredible. Won it by six strokes. It was one of the best precision performances I've ever seen in golf. He's a 5'7 guy. He's not really big. He's a lefty. And he played as good as Tiger Woods at the Open. It was incredible to see him win. Congratulations to Brian Harmon on winning. He's an American. I love when Americans win. That was good to see. And Jimmy Garoppolo has reported to training camp. He's good to go. I spent about 20 minutes in the monologue reminding everybody he was good to go. Now you believe it because you see it. Jimmy Garoppolo ready for the start of training camp. I'll be out of camp on Wednesday doing the show from over at the Raiders. That'll be a lot of fun there. We're talking about running backs and fullbacks. I need your three greatest Raider running backs of all time and three greatest fullbacks. We'll have our results tomorrow. Raiders 66, strong in every category. Let's go running backs and fullbacks. Go ahead. Hey, all right, JT. I know you got a guest coming, so I didn't know if I should do the running backs, try and get through tomorrow. No, go, go, go through them. We got time. All right, all right, here we go. Um, you know, when you look at the running backs, the great running backs of the Raiders past, uh, only one guy stands out with the stats. Everybody else just did what needed to be done to win. That's the Raider way. You just do what it takes to win. So when I think of Colgate, I think of toothpaste. But Al Davis thought of running backs, especially fullbacks. And as the previous caller, I think it was Chris from Sacramento, said we had two great ones. First, in 1968, they drafted um, Marv Hubbard. And uh, that guy, he was like an all-star four years in a row. And not many people know this, but his 4.82 yards per run is third all-time for a fullback. The only guys better are a couple of guys you might have heard of, Jim Brown and Joe Perry. Those are the only guys better at fullback position. The guy was something else. And John Madden used to say, you know, there are people that 
like contact, and there are people that stay away from contact. Marv Hubbard looked for contact. That guy would go out. He would even hit the guys on his own team in practice. They did not like practicing against Marv Hubbard because he would put a couple of dents in people. And uh, Bill King one time, Marv loved playing against the Chiefs, especially Willie Lanier. And Bill King one time said on the air that the collisions between Marv Hubbard and Willie Lanier were worth the price of admission alone. Then in 1974, Al goes again to Colgate and he gets uh, Mark Van Egan. This guy was uh, really something else. In 1976, his first year as a full-time starter, he leads the team in rushing with over uh, 10 yards. So what do they do in the Super Bowl? They make him the blocking back, and he gladly does it. Anything to win. So he's clearing out Minnesota Vikings left and right to get Clarence Davis 137 yards, which was a record at the time for the Super Bowl, on just 16 carries. I don't know what the math is, but that's like about eight yards a carry. They just bulldozed everybody. It was absolutely amazing. And then the guy mentioned it earlier, Hewitt Dixon. This was one of Al Davis's first reclamation projects. Uh, as he said, three years, did nothing in Denver. Comes over to the Raiders in 1966. He's an all-star in 66, 67, a pro bowler in 70. The guy was amazing. And in that Super Bowl II game against the Packers, that vaunted Packers defense, he got 54 yards on just 12 carries. And a lot of the Packers are saying he was one of the hardest runners they'd faced all season. And he also has, in uh, the first Monday night game ever for the Raiders, he scored their first touchdown going around who else? Gene Upshaw around the left side. 39 yards later, he scores the first uh, TD for the Raiders on Monday night football. And you can't forget Pete Banaszak. His home is fourth and goal from the two-yard line. In Super Bowl XI, he scored two touchdowns on two runs of less than two yards, and they were both set up by your buddy and mine. Uh, Fred Bolitnikoff. Yes, yeah, he, uh, he's the only guy to, to get an MVP without going. So, Raider 66, let me stop you there. Those are your yes. fullbacks. Give me your fullbacks yeah. again. Uh, the fullbacks would be Marv Hubbard, Mark Van Egan, Hubert Dixon, and uh, Pete Banaszak uh, as the, uh, as the uh, honorable mention. All right, we'll get your running backs tomorrow. I have a guest. Yes. You were fantastic. Appreciate that. Yes. Raider you, 66, along with Chris in West Oakland, Chris in Sacramento, all the other callers, fantastic. That really helps me as he called in with the fullbacks, and I agree with him. Also, I have Marcel Reese on that list. Marcel Reese is a four-time Pro Bowler. Frank Hawkins was an unbelievable fullback for this team, along with John Ritchie. And I can't wait to hear what he has for the running backs tomorrow. We'll wrap this up tomorrow around this time with the greatest Raiders running backs and fullbacks of all time. One of our toughest categories. Let's go. We had Jason Horowitz, the voice of the Raiders. We had the Latino voice of the Raiders on Mondays, Harry Ruiz. Harry, I'm sure you're really excited Jimmy Garoppolo showed up yesterday. What did you think when you got the news? Oh, I mean, him showing up was great. Him being cleared and having passed that physical is even better. So it's fantastic. It's the best opportunity for the Raiders to win this season is having a healthy Jimmy G, having a quarterback that not only understands the system, but that has been successful in that system and in another system the last couple of years. So I'm, I'm excited, and I can't wait to see number 10 out there on the field on Wednesday. Yeah, we know he's been working with everybody behind the scenes and breaking down film and with the young quarterbacks there, but it's going to be nice to see when Hoyer gets reps and Aiden O'Connell gets reps, Scarborough gets reps, that Jimmy Garoppolo is getting the reps with the first team. And again, I don't know what they're going to do when it comes to the dual workouts, when they have the practice scrimmages and it gets physical. I'm assuming he's going to play because he got cleared to play. 
But we all know, Harry, that this guy's got to remain healthy throughout training camp, and the Raiders know that. Jimmy knows it, and hopefully he can have a camp where he gets a lot of production done in the film room, in the classroom, and then when we see him out on the field, he's healthy, making big throws, and nothing more than that. We don't have to see anything extra, right? Absolutely, and it's spread that knowledge with his teammates, and that's something that he's been able to do behind the scenes where the media can't see, where the fans can't see. He's been in the building. He's been helping his teammates, and that's something that we saw last year with Jared Sidham, who came in from New England, and he was helping his teammates in other ways that if he wasn't on the field, he was still helping them in other fashions. Or even you could look at a guy like Jerron Harmon, who was a Raider safety last year and led the team in interceptions. He was a coach on the field. So it's great being able to have these coaches on the field behind the scenes that are also able to show the team what it looks like to be able to be successful with the way that the coaches want you to play. And, of course, everybody talks about the injuries he has suffered in the past. He is just coming off of that surgery. We hope he's at 100% and that all those injuries are in the past. And that's going to be the big question. How do you manage his game loads if you do send him out in the preseason, if you do have him on a pitch count, on a snap count during training camp, it's going to be very interesting. But one thing is that, that we all know is we want him at 100% once week one rolls around. Harry Ruiz joins us, Raiders.com, the Spanish voice of the Raiders, all the work that he does in town, and you'll hear him sitting in for me for a couple of shows coming up here, and he's doing a lot more than that. So on the offensive side, I think we're good now with Jimmy Garoppolo. We're about you know four or five days out away from when we initially talked about Josh Jacobs. What do you expect? I don't expect to see him in here anytime soon. It'll be surprising if he does show up sooner than later. But as long as he gets there at the end of training camp and in shape, I think he'll be fine, good to go, no rust, and ready to play. How do you see it? Yeah, and Josh, since last year, before training camp, before preseason, he was preparing himself with other running backs, and he got to town ready to rumble, ready to roll, and we saw him in that preseason week zero game in the Hall of Fame game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, how he was ready to do his thing. So I expect the same thing. He's gonna, he's not going to be in his couch. He's not going to be in his bed all day long um, eating junk food and just waiting for uh, the week one to come in. No, he's going to be preparing on his own, and once the time is right for him, he will be in town, but it's just unfortunate for running backs around the league that they are not uh, compensated the same way as other players. But um, that's one of the bad things right now with the CBA and how it's arranged. And they agreed, not only them, but the running backs in the past, that that was the way it was going to happen. And that's they, they agreed to that deal. And now let's wait until the next CBA rolls around to see what running backs can do to get that changed. Harry Ruiz is our guest. So for the battle for Vegas, I know you're around Nate Hobbs a little bit. What I like about this Marcus Peters rumor, if the Raiders end up bringing in Marcus Peters today or tomorrow, anytime soon, and he signs, then you got him as a starting cornerback. There's a lot of depth on the other cornerback position and whoever will back up Marcus Peters. But Nate Hobbs got bloody in the softball game, hit a couple of big shots there. What was it like to be around him? Did you have a conversation you could share about what you expect from him this year? How'd he look? He looked really fit to me and even like he put on more muscle mass. What's new with Nate Hobbs? Yeah, I saw him at the Fan Fest that went down on Friday night. Saturday, I was working with the lights, so I wasn't able to attend the Battle for Vegas game. But I did see that he was going 
balls to the wall and he was playing hard and he wasn't uh, taking anything for granted crashing into the wall and then saw him a little bit bloody out there and it's funny because I actually heard from somebody being like hey the the Raiders I bet don't like their players being out here um, with a softball game because an injury can happen and then the next day what do I see a bloody Nate Hobbs so I'm like okay Uh, maybe that's something that definitely the team doesn't want to see less than a week away from training camp starting, but everything seems to be all right with him. He got checked out, but um, no, Nate Hobbs, he's excited. He's ready. Last year definitely wasn't the same as year one, but this is a second season with Patrick Graham as the, the defensive coordinator for the Raiders. If he can get Marcus Peters in that room and be able to, pick his brain on how he has been able to get 30-plus picks in the NFL since being drafted in 2015, that would be fantastic for not only Nate Hobbs, but the rest of that cornerback room that would love to get that knowledge. All right, Harry, what do you got coming up with training camp? I know you got a couple of shows coming up here. I know you're going to be out practice. You're going to be doing a lot of things, prepping for the broadcast of the Niners and the other games that come up here. So give me your schedule here as we're wrapping up July and you're getting ready for the start of training camp and practice on Wednesday. So I don't have a single weekend off the rest of the year, so I'll be working every weekend, either with Lights FC, with the Raiders, with other gigs. So we're staying busy, but I got your show uh, Thursday and Friday, Jay to the Brick Show. I'll be here from noon to two. Wednesday, I'll be out uh, at Raiders training camp. We'll be doing some coverage for Raiders.com in Espanol. Saturday, the Lights FC game. Next week, August 1st, Barcelona is in town. They're going to be playing AC Milan. I'll be the PA announcer of that game. And then right back on the JT The Brick show that following Thursday and Friday. So we're just staying busy, JT. I'm learning from the best from you. What have you Thank you, Harry. Take care. Thanks for being here for me. Appreciate Harry Ruiz joining us as he always does. And he's jumping in for me. I got a wedding I got to go to. My nephew's getting married in New York on Saturday. So my family and I are going back uh, for a couple of days, see my mom and dad, my sisters, my sisters, oldest son is getting married. So it's the first big wedding in this generation of my family. So very much excited about that. And then I come back and hit the ground running with the Raiders, a bunch of uh, extra programming I'll be a part of here in the preseason. We'll be doing Raiders Roundtable on YouTube. I'm back for the coaches show interviewing Josh McDaniels every week. I'll be part of the press conference show every Monday. So I got a couple more responsibilities this year, and as Harry said, not a lot of days off other than bye week. I think bye week is week 13. Ouch. Woo! Bye week, week 13. So a lot of Raider news in front of us, and all of it will be good. 702-365-9200. As you know, we've been talking about it every day, the summer of fun. You'll be qualified to win four tickets for an Aviators game and have a shot at winning the weekly grand prize. Check out this. This week is a four-day trip to Orlando's Disney World, Orlando Universal Studios, plus a tour of the Kennedy Space Center. Or you can take the 3000 cash, take the trip, or take the cash. That would be the ninth caller right now to qualify for the Aviator tickets. This is the qualification round to see if you can win the big prize, 702 365-9200. Also, the phones will be opened up again for greatest running backs of all time, greatest fullbacks of all time in Raider history. We'll have that list finalized for you tomorrow. Mark Anderson will be joining us coming up here also on Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's return. How's everybody feel about Jimmy G showing up? I think, as I said in the monologue, it's a great day to be a Raider fan, not having to worry about the status of Jimmy Garoppolo 
Let's get a couple of Jimmy G calls as we continue. We're brought to you by our great friends at the M Resort Spa and Casino. Head on out to the M to the Raiders Tavern and Grill. Bill Walsh on the call back in the day with Dick Denberg. JT, back with you as we continue on looking at the greatest Raider running backs of all time. Marshawn Lynch, where would you have him on that list? Napoleon McCallum, Napoleon Kaufman. I'm going through all the Raider running backs and fullbacks here. We mentioned Zach Crockett. What a great fullback he played with this uh, this organization. Marcel Reese, we got a bunch of calls on him. Frank Hawkins. Frank Hawkins, another another running back who played for this team, halfback, fullback, could do it all. Kenny King, Kenny King, what an impact Kenny King had on this organization. Can't believe no one's called in on Kenny King just yet and how excellent of a player he was. Do you remember Lamont Jordan, friend of the show? Latavius Murray, uh, Charlie Garner was a fun player to watch on this team. So there's a lot of names out there. Uh, Michael Bush. I remember when he came, we just played Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson, only three seasons for the Raiders, but a big impact there. Ewart Dixon, we've gotten a few calls on that today. Harvey Williams, one of the names that we're talking about. The great Charlie Smith. Justin Fargus, who I spent this weekend with. Had a chance to uh, see Justin Fargus and uh, uh, have a beverage with him and catch up with him. Clarence Davis, uh, another really great player. Pete Banizak and the impact that he had with all the touchdowns throughout his career. Darren McFadden, a really good Raider for a short period of time. Marv Hubbard at fullbacks. A lot of good players at these positions. Clem Daniels, one of the favorite people I know. Mark Van Egan, no doubt about that. And Marcus Allen, who was safe on all these lists. I think we know Marcus Allen will go down as the Raiders' all-time best running back. And he had a great career with Kansas City on top of that. The Bo Jackson situation is a little bit unique. I think he was a popular player, popular player and a dominant player, but only a short period of time. Where do you rank the running backs and the fullbacks? 702-365-9200. And Jimmy Garoppolo is cleared to play, which I'm really excited about. If he wasn't cleared to play, if there was a hiccup with his physical and he wasn't ready to go, that'd be a problem. That'd be a problem. I'm pretty excited about the team this year on offense. I can't be excited without Jimmy Garoppolo. I can't. You know, Aiden O'Connell, can't wait to see him play a little bit. I think Brian Hoyer is a really good, capable backup. But this is Jimmy Garoppolo's team, and we got good news yesterday. And I think we should be enjoying that. Hardcore Raider, thanks for holding. You're up next. Thanks for calling. Hey, JT. Uh, we got Bo Jackson. He's a, a, for, you know, Raiders running backs. He holds the record for the longest 
uh, at 92 yards for a single rush. So, you know, for me, Bo Jackson was like my hero growing up, and I think he's the best best two sport athlete to ever play the game. Uh, if his, you know, if his time wasn't cut short, you know, he'd be a lot higher. But I'm going to put Bo Jackson at number three, and I think his uh, athletic ability was off the charts. And then number two, I mean, I'm really, I guess, disappointed that nobody's mentioned this guy because I think he's uh, a super stud. But if you look at Josh Jacobs and what he's accomplished in four years, uh, if he plays for the Raiders this year, he only needs 1,167 yards to be number two on the Raiders' all-time rushing list. He's number three on the Raiders' all-time touch, uh, touchdowns. And then for single longest uh, rush, rush, he's uh, also number three. So, you know, Josh Jacobs is up there with the best of them, you know. And Marcus Allen, I'm going to put number one. Uh, Marcus Allen, everything he embodied and, you know, him being willing to play fullback for Bo Jackson back in the day, uh, Mark, Marcus Allen's at the top. But I would like to see if somehow you guys could get Marcus Allen on to see what he thinks of Josh Jacobs. Because in my opinion, after if Josh Jacobs plays this year, he will be number two as far as stats go. And he's accomplished more than all those other old school guys you guys are talking about. Thanks a lot, my friend. I appreciate you checking in. And look, you take a look at this and you try to figure out who's going to be great or, you know, who was great back in the day, who are the impact guys, who are not the impact guys. Man, the list goes on and on and on as we look through the the passion of these teams in the past, the passion of the players who won Super Bowls, players who played in the greatest games, players who didn't play in the greatest games but played in the regular season, all of that combined, all of that combined is a big group of players here as we take a look at the Raiders' all-time team. And uh, as I look at, in my opinion, who we put on the list going further in the future, Josh Jacobs is the big one for me. Josh Jacobs is the really big one for me. And uh, I think that we could figure out a way to get Josh Jacobs on this all-time running back list at number three or a high honorable mention. So wherever you stand on this, i got to hear from you in the next couple of days. Mark Anderson's going to join us coming up here in a little bit on the status of Jimmy Garoppolo and what's going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo going forward. How much time are we going to see with Jimmy Garoppolo? And uh, who's going to play? Who's going to be the impact guy? Who's going to be the impact guy that Jimmy Garoppolo can work with quickly in camp and get this thing going at a very high level? I personally believe that now that Jimmy Garoppolo has shown up and walked through the building, I don't need to see a lot of them after that. To me, it was all about the physical. It was all about the physical and who was going to play if he wasn't able to play or if he was going to kind of pass the physical and not be ready to go, be on the pup list or whatever was going to happen there. But it looks like Jimmy Garoppolo is clearly ready to go and excited to go and look pretty confident to me. So let's get your opinion on exactly what you think about Garoppolo being there, how this changes everything for you going forward. And if it doesn't change anything for you going forward, and you're not a fan of Jimmy Garoppolo, tell me how you compare him to Jim Plunkett. Because Jim Plunkett actually played for New England and San Francisco, was beat up more than Jimmy Garoppolo, came to this organization, won two Super Bowls and a Super Bowl MVP. By no means, by no means am I predicting that Jimmy Garoppolo's going to win the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl MVP like Jim Plunkett. But Jim came from San Francisco and New England before that, just like Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think we should treat Jimmy Garoppolo the same way we treated Rich Gannon before he came to this team. 
and obviously Jim Plunkett before he came to this team. I don't think that's much of a reach. I really believe we can look at it that way and have an impact conversation on the potential upside that we can have here. And I'm excited about that, and I'm excited about the ability to see Jimmy Garoppolo play in the preseason in a preseason game. But I'm not going to make that prediction because I don't know what Josh McDaniels wants to do with Garoppolo putting him in harm's way in a preseason game that doesn't matter considering there's only three. And the teams that were playing in the preseason, the 49ers, the Cowboys, and the Rams, depending if Aaron Donald's going to play in that game, most likely or not, is it worth getting Jimmy Garoppolo out there with all the other work that he's going to get in? 702-365-9200 as we continue on here. We'll get you on the radio. The all-time Raiders cornerbacks and halfbacks. Are we talking about the greatest of all time? The future of the position? I got Marcus Allen. I got Marv Hubbard. I got Pete Banaszak. I got Mark Van Egan. I'm still trying to fill out my list. I want to hear your list as we got about a half an hour more to go. And let's get a couple of more Jimmy Garoppolo calls in here. Now that he's in the building, are you less worried? Are you calm? Are you happy? Or are you a little bit nervous? It's all fair to be that. It's all fair to be all of that here. But I think Jimmy Garoppolo, now that he's in the building, he looks good and he looks healthy and ready to go. I think the Raider Nation should get behind him. Jump on the radio. We'll get to you on the other side. Also, Mark Anderson is going to join us coming up here in a few minutes, and he's going to live. He's going to live at training camp, and we'll see him out of training camp on Wednesday. So that's coming up here on the other side as we continue from Las Vegas all over the globe as we continue on here on the flagship of the Silver and Black. This is Raider Nation Radio. We played in the uh, Rose Bowl against the Vikings in 76 and beat Fran Tarkenton and, and that crew. And that was a good crew that they had. And um, I happened to be the leading rusher in that game. Um, I'll always, always remember. I mean, I'm out there on the field thinking about, geez, USC, UCLA, yeah, right. uh, Michigan State came here. <laughs> I'm on the same field. I mean, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Uh, not to the point where uh, I, I, I was distracted, but when the defense was on the t- field, I looked around at, at 100 and what 105,000 people looked like, and I said, oh, my God. Yeah, that's Mark Van Egan, and what an impact Mark Van Egan had on this franchise. A quick story with Mark Van Egan. I had a chance to be in London with him. He went on uh, the London trip with us one year with his wife. And my wife was out there. And we were all around London. We were on these double-decker buses at all these events. And I really got to know him pretty good in a couple of pubs and lunches and dinners and at practice and all that. And Mark Van Egan is one of the guys who show up at a lot of the Raider events now still and had a huge impact. And Al Davis and Mark Davis and all the individuals behind this organization that think the world the absolute world of mark van egan who is still with us today going to be with us for a long time and the type of player that uh, i'm happy to be associated with mark van egan 
is one hell of a football player historically, as we talked about, and all the work that he did. I mean, Raider 66 made a great point, made a great point of exactly the impact that he had in a Super Bowl where he was asked to be more of a teammate than a star and had a big Super Bowl. Super Bowl eleven. Villa Piano had a monster game. Willie Brown had the iconic interception. Ted Bolitnikoff was the M- uh, Fred Bolitnikoff was the MVP. Had two long catches that got him down to the goal line where Banaszek scored, and Freddie got the MVP in that game. And Ken Stabler and Dave Casper scored a touchdown in that game. So with everything that's happened along the way, there are a lot of people in this organization. When you take a look back at exactly the great moments of this team. The Raiders with Al Davis was very fortunate to have an elite offensive line, Otto, Upshaw, Shell, Henry Lawrence, all those great players. Then the fullbacks and the running backs. And I'm I'm trying to tie it into the teams today. The teams today and the impact that they could have with a great running back in Josh Jacobs, a great receiver with Devontae Adams, a great edge rusher. With Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, who's been elite his entire career. But now Jimmy Garoppolo walked into the building, and I think that changes everything. As Mark Anderson joins us, the Raider insider who will be at training camp for the AP. And Mark, what would you think with Garoppolo coming in? I thought it was a non-event. I thought he was going to be fine all along. But a lot of people were worried about that physical in contract. Yeah, and I'm, I'm more with you, JT. I, I, just, I, I guess I'm just never really concerned about it. Uh, and, and much of it is because not only what Josh McDaniel said, but the way he said it. Uh, I got just no sense that there was ever concern from the Raiders that that uh, he that Garoppolo wouldn't be available for camp. As I told you before, my main concern with it, it with Garoppolo is what about the next injury? Uh, you know, and so if if he could if he could stay healthy, then I mean that would obviously be huge for the Raiders. But you know, given his injury history, who knows? Well, that, yeah, it, what's interesting is the, if he didn't pass the physical, Mark, and he really had damage, and it was a pretty basic procedure. They knew the condition that he had uh, coming in. They obviously saw that in the first X-ray or MRI, most likely. I'm not a doctor and a trainer there. And he had nine, ten weeks from the procedure to be ready. And I was just amazed by how many people thought he might not be ready considering the situation that he had here. I mean, we weren't talking about a blown-out MCL and an ACL or a torn Achilles and all that, but I can understand why the Raiders had to put the contract together with that, that type of language because you just can't be on the hook for that much money if a guy can't play. No, there's, there's absolutely, that's absolutely right. And, again, I think if, if he'd been a guy who just never got hurt, like if he's an Eli Manning-type guy, I just don't think he would have all this hand-wringing over this. But I think because of his injury history, I think that's really what, why there was so much concern, not so much from the Raiders, but from, from everyone else. Well, look, I'll just tell you this. Um, I'm excited to see him play here. What do you expect to see from him at training camp and in the preseason? What do you expect is going to happen there? I, I think, you know, the, the big you know, the concern is he missed all this time developing the timing with his these receivers and all that. Um, so that's what I'm, that's what would be interesting to watch is how quickly he can get that rapport going with those guys. And, uh, but you know, he'll have whole, whole, whole camp to do it. It's not like he's coming in, you know, a week before the season starts. So I think he'll be fine. He's a veteran. He'll, he'll pick it. He'll pick up every, I think he'll pick up the system pretty quickly. Um, I, I, I think it's 
far as the net jump plane ability, I, th- I think I think he'll be I think he'll be fine. I'm not I'm not concerned at all about that. Well, this becomes interesting now. Mark Anderson is our guest. You know, Mark, the reps that we're going to see in training camp and all the time that you've been at training camps and covered football in your career, college and pro, I think the Raiders are in a really important spot here in regards to the reps that Garoppolo is going to get and then how to keep him out of games, but he's getting the reps, how to get him in those dual practices against other teams. All of that, to me, it's pretty complex because I don't know Josh McDaniels that good enough. He's only been a head coach one other time. They won six games. He's got his guy now at quarterback. I just don't know how many reps we need to see before they go on the road against Denver and Buffalo. Those are really two monster games, one in division, one in conference, both on the road. I just hope Jimmy G's got a lot of momentum and chemistry with these guys. I, I agree with you. I think, I think he needs to get a lot of work. Uh, if he if he gone through OTAs and any mini camp, I, I you know maybe don't maybe get back off him a little bit, but I I think he needs to get his time in. He, he really needs to he really needs to learn learn the system, learn to work with these receivers, and uh, so I, I I think I I think you, you stick him in there and and the and the dual practice. I think you do all that. I I think you you, you have him there as much as you can. So, um, I, you know it, I just. I don't think you can go into those two first games without without uh, giving him a ton of reps because it just wouldn't be fair at all. Mark Anderson is our guest. Uh, Mark, overall, when you see what the defense has done here in the brief offseason, I think it was really Dave Ziegler's first opportunity to bring in some of his own guys for Patrick Graham. And we've talked about this faster, smarter, more explosive players this Marcus Peters potential signing here, and I'm going to wait till it becomes official, but a lot of people think it's going to be a done deal. Just to know that there's a veteran there, a, a past star in this league, and I don't know how much he has left. He'd only be 30 years old, but just to not have to worry about that position, all of training camp, and let the competition go to the other cornerback on the other side, I think that's big upside for the Raiders if they can make this signing. Oh, it'd be huge. It'd be huge. I mean, that's... I guess linebacker is really the big question mark still, but that's corners right right there behind the linebacker. And uh, if they can get Peters in here, um, yeah, his his best football is probably behind them. But it's it, well, I think what he still has left is pretty pretty good, um, and, and better than what they have. So it would it would uh, ease a lot of concerns. I think it would help Nate Hobbs a lot too. You know, he he just felt like so much was on Nate Hobbs in the in the past, and he was obviously going to hurt a lot last season, but. It, it, it just felt like it, it just felt like there was too much expected of him, and I don't. And I think Nate Hobbs is a good corner, but I don't think he's a special corner. And this way, maybe Nate Hobbs could thrive having Peters there. That's a really good point you make. Uh, I want I want to stay on that. I think Nate Hobbs can be a special corner because of his size, strength, athletic ability. I thought he regressed a little bit last year. Plus, he was banged up. But to have a mentor like that, what's interesting about Marcus Peters, if he ends up signing with the Raiders, is He's, he's a guy that moves the needle verbally, uh, his energy level, uh, his ability to just chirp and talk at the other team during a game and all of that. Do you think that could be beneficial to a young team potentially or be a deterrent with so many young players that haven't been in big games the way Peters has been in so many? No, I think you have to have that, especially with a young team, because if you have a bunch of guys who don't have the experience and don't really know what to expect that having someone in there who's, who's who's been in some big time games can really lead them. And so 
someone who's vocal, I and mean, it's, it's it's one thing to have a veteran, but has some have a vocal presence on top of it. I think it's crucial. So I think I think it's, I think it's big for them. Uh, we're wrapping it up with our good friend Mark Anderson, who'll be with us throughout training camp. One of our insiders here as we build our insiders to be back here for another year. You know, I was looking around the league, and I'm, I'm seeing a lot of injuries happen, and there were a few injuries today at training camp, and that's something that you never want to see here going forward. And, and we, I want to wrap it up with Max Crosby. The guy goes at 1,000 miles an hour in every practice. Knock on wood, he's a healthy player here. What do you expect from him this year? Because he's considered one of the best at his position, but not the best. You think he's on the verge of doing that this year? Would he have an opportunity to be in the running for the NFL Defensive Player of the Year? I think he, yeah, I do, and I, I do think he's got a chance to be right at that elite level. Uh, you, you look at what he's been able to do. You mean they thought that having Jano Jones on the other side last season would really free up Matt Crosby, and they both would be able to get a lot done together. And and Chandler Jones have cut off that slow start, and Crosby still produced. Uh, even with all the double teams coming at him, he still managed to get to the quarterback and 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 really be disruptive. And so, if, they, if now if, if Tyree Wilson could come in and uh, take training camp at some point and and be fully healed from that foot injury, and then work his way into being a really quality player in that rotation during the season, and Chandler Jones, who's slimmed down, can be more like he was at the end of last season, where he was he was more uh, more of a difference maker than. I think Max Crosby, if he's, if he's suddenly facing more single teams, I, he he would be unbelievable. I don't, I don't know how you block that guy. So uh, he, he very well could put himself in that running. Last one, Mark. What are you looking forward to seeing most the first week of training camp? What's something you're going to keep your eye on, you're going to be reporting on? Uh, yeah, the, the running backs, uh, it's, it's, it's wide open for those guys. And they got to show that uh, I do think Josh Jacobs is going to come back for this the season starts. I, just, I know he's upset now, uh, but I think when it comes time to actually start missing paychecks, I don't think he's going to take it that far. Uh, he doesn't want to go through what Lady and Bell did, went through. Um, so he's, he, but they're going to need these other backs during the season. I don't see Josh Jacobs, even if he's back, getting the, getting the workload he got last season. I think they're going to try and, and mix it up a little bit more. So without him out there taking reps, these guys are going to have a great opportunity. Take care, Mark. I'll see you out there Wednesday. Sounds good, JT. Thank you. You got Mark Anderson right there, a really good journalist, going to cover this team. And uh, he just told us what he's going to be reporting on, the running backs, the depth of the running back position with Zamir White. Uh, Zamir White is a fresh, young, star potential running back here. He's going to get a lot of carries. Uh, They carried a lot of running backs last year. I thought it was unnecessary because Josh Jacobs got all the carries. If Josh does come back, which I believe he will on time, ready to go, I think these backup running backs are going to get more touches. You can't. I don't know if Josh Jacobs can have 320-plus attempts again. I I know he'll want it, and he'll want to do great things because he'll want to get a contract at the end of this year. But I think that entire running back room is the strength of the team, and they ran the ball really well last year, and I hope they're able to do it again. Mike in Staten, Italy. Mikey, thanks a lot for calling in. What's going on, Mike? What's happening? Hey, JT, a couple of things. What I'm looking forward to for this uh, Raiders camp is I want to see how this first-round draft pick. I want to see this tight end how he fits in. I want to see Garoppolo getting the ball out quick. The big difference to me uh, with Garoppolo and Carr is that he gets the ball out a lot sooner and he's a little more accurate. Maybe Carr has a little bit stronger of an arm, but I'll take accuracy and quick release anytime. I think the Raiders got a steal with this tight end from Notre Dame, 
And that's what I'm keeping my eyes on, JT. Thanks, Mikey. Yeah, I really believe that Mayer can have a massive impact in the blocking game, which could really help the running on the right side, wherever they line them up there. Hooper's had big years in this league as a pass-catching tight end. And look, to call him a baby Gronk, to see what Mayer's done in Josh McDaniel's offense with Gronkowski is exactly, and I'm a pretty simple guy. We know that. You know, I don't claim to be a Harvard or Stanford grad here. But I've said this, and I'm going to beat it into the ground. Whatever plays will run for Gronkowski, Michael Mayer can run. So when Gronkowski came out of Arizona as a young tight end, a moldable young tight end, they ran plays. Then they realized how good he was, and they ran more plays to him. And then Tom Brady got trust with him, and they started. He was what Kelsey is to Mahomes. When Brady was in trouble and needed a big play, who'd he go to? Gronk. Even more so. Other than Randy Moss, when Randy Moss was on that 18-0 team that lost in the Super Bowl, Gronkowski became a security blanket and a go-to guy for Tom Brady. Josh McDaniels called every one of those plays. Now, I'm, I'm, Brady might have checked out of a percentage of them, but Josh McDaniels called a heavy set of plays to Rob Gronkowski through Tom Brady. Now he's got Jimmy Garoppolo, a really good, capable quarterback, and a very young Michael Mayer who should be running those Gronk routes. And I, I think he'll be able to run those uh, Gronk routes. Why wouldn't he at the same age? He did it in college at Notre Dame. He should be able to do it in Las Vegas for the Raiders. Here's Gangster Raider wrapping it up. Thanks for calling in. Hey, what's up, JT? And as far as um, fullbacks, I got um, Reese, John Ritchie, and Zach Crockett. You know what I mean? And for my running backs, Marcus Allen, Kenny King, Napoleon Kaufman, Josh Jacobs, Tyrone Whitley, and I'm including Bo Jackson because I believe if Bo Jackson wouldn't have got hurt, we have two more Super Bowls. And a lot of people forget that game where he got hurt. He bought the rest of the tickets so the game could be sold on TV. Otherwise, the game would have been blacked out. He wouldn't have saw it on TV. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I I, I got to give him more than the honorable mention. You know what I'm saying? And also, as far as Garoppolo, I was concerned. Only reason I was concerned because I think he needs to get acclimated with Devontae Adams and the rest of the receiving core. You know what I'm saying? You know how all, all the other quarterbacks are getting together with their wide receivers and throwing in parks and high schools and stuff like that. I just was concerned because I needed him to be able to get acclimated with Devontae and the rest of the receiving core because we have some unique type receivers in our receiving core, especially starting with Devontae. And the sooner they can get on the same page and get, you know, mm-hmm. in sync with each other, that'll be more better for the team. And my other only concern is I think Josh will show up. I just, I hope, well, I, I believe he'll show up right before the last game of the preseason so he can get acclimated with the line again mm-hmm. and the new players who are not all familiar with him and the way he leads and plays. So he wants to, you know, get, get acclimated with all of them and show him that this is still his team. That's what I believe. You okay. know what I'm saying? All right, thanks for the call. Really appreciate it. The only thing I'll push back on is you didn't mention, you know, any of the old legends of the game, Clem Daniels, Pete Banizak, Marv Hubbard. You went with the modern era of those running backs. And that's, that's, what's really unique tomorrow. When we come up with, you know, this final list, my big thing is where do I put Marcel Reese at fullback? You know, John Ritchie is not going to make my all time fullback team. He's not, but it'll be an honorable mention. I can't put him in the top three because he doesn't deserve to be in the top three. And he was a hell of a player. Tyrone Wheatley and Napoleon Kaufman were two outstanding running backs for the Raiders, but not top three all time. When you look at Clem Daniels and the impact he had in Marcus Allen. So I only have room for one more, and then the rest have to jump in to that honorable mention category, which isn't a bad place to be. Darren McFadden, 
a lot of people. I met, just mentioned Justin Fargus, guys who have put on the silver and black. If you're new to what we're doing here, what I'm trying to do this whole summer, right up to the start of training camp, we're going to finish it up with the quarterbacks and the wide receivers next week, is try to have a discussion about the greatest Raiders who ever played so some of our new Raider fans can learn about these players, talk about them, and be comfortable with them. That's it. I'm not trying to you know, make this a competitive debate where we offend anybody. This is not associated with the Raiders. It's associated with Raider Nation Radio. So I'm just trying to keep a summer discussion going forward so we can have fun talking about the Raiders until we get to training camp, and now we're at training camp. And now I get a chance to talk about this team, the competition battles, how do they look in practice, what we're able to, what we're able to see in practice, what we'll see in the preseason, and hopefully how good this team can potentially be. That's five hours of radio done. I'm not exhausted. I'm jumping in the pool. I'm going to cool off here and do another five-hour shift tomorrow. We'll be back here on Wednesday. Then I'm going to head to New York for a few days and come back and be here for a deep run at training camp. Thanks to Bobby for putting the show together. Jason Horowitz, Harry Ruiz, and we just had Mark Anderson. you miss any portion of the show, you can podcast it at lvsportsnetwork.com. And please support all of our partners here on the flagship of the Silver and Black. Q's got a big show coming up next right here on Raider Nation Radio.